When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 88 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. George Burns and Gracie Allen remain one of the greatest comedy duos in American history to this day, after careers that spanned over 70 years, both together and separately. From vaudeville to film to radio to TV, they entertained audiences worldwide and leave a showbiz legacy that has long outlasted them. In addition to being a comedy duo, they were married to each other for 38 years, from 1926 until Gracie's death in 1964. Their radio program, first called The Adventures of Gracie and later The Burns and Allen Show, ran from 1934 to 1950. Now sit back and enjoy the March 6, 1940 and February 22, 1946 broadcasts of The Burns and Allen Show. Hello, my friends, behind Honey Norman Cream Program. <laughs> Starring George Burns and Gracie Allen with Frank Parker, Ray Noble, and his orchestra, and Truman Bradley speaking. And now George Burns and Heinz Honey, our presidential candidate who threw her hat in the ring and forgot to take it off, Gracie Allen. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Hello. Well, they certainly are swanky on the Benny program. As soon as we arrived at the studio, Rochester rushed up and took Jack's hat and coat. And uh, did, he, did he take your hat and coat? Oh, well, don't be silly. Mine wouldn't hit him. <laughs> no, not nearly as well as Jack. No. Hello, Frank. Hello. Oh, my, but my new postmaster general looks pretty tonight. Oh, well, thanks, Chris. Say, Gracie, when you were up there Sunday night, did you meet Dennis Day? Oh, sure, I met him. Well, confidentially, Gracie... What is he like? What is he like? Well, he's got the most beautiful... Well, never mind. Don't tell me. Oh, oh there, sir. Uh, you're not jealous, are you, Pinky? Jealous? Say, what has he got that I didn't have before he got it? And if he has it, where did he get it? 
Well, I happen to know that he gets hundreds of fan letters every day. Well, he won't get them much longer. He won't, huh? No. You seem to forget that he has a wonderful voice. And you seem to forget that I'm going to be the postmaster general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I see what you mean. But, Frank, do you know what you can get just for fooling around with the mail? Well, my sister Hazel got a fur coat. Oh, quiet, quiet. Well, Dennis say is cute. He said he has half a mind to vote for me. Well, if you get enough people with half a mind, you're bound to be elected. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mary Livingston's going to be Queen of England. Mary Livingston is going to be Queen of England? That's what she said. She said, Stacey, when you're President of the United States, I'll be the Queen of England. <laughs> But only she'll get there first. Oh, yeah? Hello, Ray. Hello. I say, Gracie, I'd like to ask you this. Is San Francisco part of the United States? Well, I, I wouldn't know, Ray. You see, I was born there, but I left when I was 12 years old, and I never found out. <laughs> of course, San Francisco is part of the United States. Why? Well, my band is playing there at the Palace Hotel, you know, and the people there are continually asking, how do you like it in this country, Mr. Noble? <laughs> What do you say? Well, of course, I try to flatter them, so I say I like their country nearly as well as my good old USA. Oh, <laughs> nice piece of flattery, Ray. Oh, and last Thursday, I met Baby Snook. I know. Baby Snook and her daddy are going to vote for me, too. No, they're not. Why? Vote for you, it's ridiculous. Why? Stop with that lie. Baby Snook is only seven years old, and you've got to be 21. Yeah, but she's got to vote three times. <laughs> Of that. So, you know, it's a funny thing, George. From where I was standing, I could have sworn Baby Snooks looks just like Fanny Bryson. You know, they're slightly related. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh. Say, Gracie, I heard you last week on Rudy Valley's program. Oh, too. yes, and is that really affectionate? Hey, wasn't that Francis Langford on the program? Yeah, did you hear it? No, Francis hasn't got a radio in a car. Oh. <laughs> Don't cancel your stance. Yesterday, a motorcycle cop stopped me for speeding, and I said, You can't stop me, officer. I've just been appointed the Supreme Court judge by our next president, Gracie Allen. Oh, good for you, too, Sure, right away. His whole attitude changed. He was very polite. What do you mean by polite? He took his hat off while he was writing out the ticket. <laughs> I, uh, I thought so. And last night, I met Sidney McGee and Molly. And Harlow Wilcox, the announcer, made a swell speech all about me. Did he mention Johnson's floor wax? Yeah, he saved that for the finish. Oh, that's a bright finish. <laughs> you know, Molly's going to get all the girls in Wistful Vista to vote for me. For what? Three votes in Wistful Vista is a landslide. Well, she said she's going to make her husband vote for me, too. Heather? No, she's telling the truth. <laughs> Gracie, don't you know when people are pulling your leg? No. You know, once I thought somebody was pulling my leg, but it was only my girdle tugging at my heartstrings. <laughs> Did you ever have your knee tapped with a hammer to test your reflexes? Oh, sure, by a well-known psychiatrist. Well, how about the little jerk? He charged me five dollars. And believe me, it was worth it. Well, anyhow, Molly was very happy to get my recipe for spaghetti a la Rand McNally. Spaghetti a la Rand McNally? Yes, instead of a recipe, I used the roadmap. That's a sort of a detour to indigestion. Yes. Well, you see, the spaghetti covered with red sauce are the main highways. I do. And the plain white spaghetti are the unpaved highways. Sounds very interesting. Yes. And the meatballs mark the state capital. <laughs> well, with a dish like that, I guess the speed limit would be 15 meals an hour. <laughs> uh, 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 how's that one, Frank? Cheap underwear. Cheap underwear? It shrinks. It does, uh. <laughs> Hello, this is the 
I said, George, there's something I don't quite understand about politics. What don't you understand, Ray? Uh, this mud slinging. Well, what about it? Well, the money that the candidates use to buy the mud with, is that called the slush fund? Yes, Ray. It... <laughs> hey, Ray, how's my campaign doing up in San Francisco? Well, I didn't like the attitude of some of the people at the polls when I went to vote for them, for, for you yesterday. You tried to vote for Gracie yesterday? Oh, of course, yes. I went into the booth and pulled the curtain across the front and turned that jolly little handle, and before I knew it, somebody was pouring water all over me. <laughs> Ray, that was a shower, and you turned it on yourself. I don't care who did it. It was a dirty trick. No. <laughs> well, the next time you see a voting booth marked laundry chute, step into it. All right, Ray. Right, oh, yeah. You know, Bob Hope is going to vote for me, too. All right, so he ain't me. Oh, George, you should have been with me last night when I was on his program. It's bad enough to be with you on this program. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I don't like it. Yeah, don't we have fun? Oh, quiet, quiet. What about the Bob Hope program? Did he make a speech? Well, did he? Yes. Well, I I mean, did you make a speech? Well, I started to, but I stopped. You stopped? Why? Well, every time I opened my mouth, he brushed my teeth. that every time. So Bob Hope was going to vote for you. Well, he said he didn't want to see me in the White House. So what? So I met him downstairs in the drugstore. Well, that's nice. <laughs> did you meet Brenda and Cabina? Oh, what station are they on? They're on, the, they're on Bob Hope's show. The two female Draculas, two girls without shapes or teeth, and they both had beards. Were they on the Bob Hope show? Sure. Oh, I thought I dreamt that. <laughs> Gracie, did anybody ever tell you that you were a little delirious? Yeah, Dr. I.Q. Monday night. And he tried to quiz me. He tried to quiz you? Yeah, he put his arms around my waist and he quizzed me a little bit, and then I said I'd never mind. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Gracie, I've heard enough. The whole thing is absolutely... Oh, it's probably my campaign manager. Yeah, probably. A Heinz, Sonny, and Alan Queen program. Heinz, Sonny, speaking. Who? Oh, hello. How are you? Fine. Fine. What? Can I recommend a good trucking company to move your things? Well, well let me think now. Mm. How soon do you have to get out? Oh, oh, that soon, huh? Well, I'm doing a program now, but I'll call you back later. Goodbye. Who was that? President Roosevelt. It was. Uh... <laughs> and now, Truman Bradley with a simple musical handbook. Ever since school days, Anne had a sweetheart named Joe. And when Joe and Anne grew up, they were married. And should have lived happily ever after, but they didn't. For Anne started in doing dishes and cleaning house every day and forgot to take care of her hands. Mm-hmm. She should have used Heinz honey and almond cream, you know. So one night, Joe looked at Anne and said, Your hands give me the shivers. They're chapped and red. Just like a man's, rough as sandpaper. Anne cried and cried. Then, being a very sensible girl, she stopped crying and bought herself a bottle of Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. She used Heinz that day, and the next day, and every single day thereafter. Well, you know what happened. Heinz Honey and Almond Cream helped Anne win back her soft, thrilling honeymoon hands, in spite of all that housework. And back came her thrilling man, Joe, with more compliments than ever. Now, the moral of this little story is, use Heinz Honey and Almond Cream yourself for softer, smoother hands. For Heinz is extra creamy, extra softening, contains two vitamins, A and D. And Heinz gives you thrilling honeymoon hands for good. Now, here is Frank Parker. Thank you. From the musical show, Roberta, by that master of melody, Jerome Kern, I'm going to sing an enchanting song, Lovely to Look At. Oh. 
Just your charm and dignity. Not what you wear, but just an air of great repose. You are quite perfect from your head down to your toes. Both night and day, I am moved to say, Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heavenly A combination like this is quite my most impossible scheme come true. Imagine finding a dream like you. You're lovely to look at, it's thrilling to hold. Together the moon is new, and oh, it's so lovely to look at you tonight. Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heaven to kiss. A combination like this is quite my most impossible scheme come true. Imagine finding a dream like this. You're lovely to look at. It's thrilling to hold you terribly high. Oh, we're together, the moon is new. And oh, it's lovely to look at you tonight. You're beautiful, my darling, just the way you look tonight. Frank, Frank, that was the best I've heard that song done. It was beautiful. Ah, thanks, boss. And just for that, I'll let you go through the post office as first-class mail. Well, I'll sit right down and call myself a letter. Oh, boys, boys, I just found out a way to give all the other candidates a terrific licking. A licking? Uh-huh. How? Well, I'll put their pictures in all the stamps. That ought to make it feel like two cents. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Gracie. Oh, Bubbles, you're late. I know what your campaign mail has been pouring in by the bucket full. Oh, good. Dry it off and we'll read it. Mm, yes. Hang it on the line outside. And listen to this telegram. Dear Gracie, your name came up at the polls today. Signed, Admiral Byrd. Aww. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? He's discovering me, too. Mm-hmm. The polls will be about the only place where you'll knock them cold. Oh, George, listen to this one. Add a girl, Gracie. Show them what's in you. Los Angeles X-ray Company. <laughs> They, uh, they think you're going to be president, huh? Well, they know it. They've got a little inside dope. You're telling me. And, Gracie, before you do another thing, you better decide where you're going to hold your convention. Oh, yeah. Uh, the surprise party convention, huh? Yeah. Well, I think you ought to hold it underwater, and if nobody calls for it in 30 days, you can keep it. Well, that ain't the way I hear it, John. Oh, quiet, quiet. See, convention, convention, sir. Oh, Bubbles, take a letter to Boston. Boston? Oh, yeah, they've got swell baked beans there. Well, I don't like baked beans. I like a good stew. And my brother likes you, too. Well, thanks, thanks. All right, I'm ready. All good. Boston, now. Dear sir. I guess Mississippi would be dear, madam. Dear sir, in answer to the letter that you're going to write me, 
Um, oh, tear it up, Bubbles. I'm too busy. Yeah, she's busy, busy. I mean, dizzy. Gracie, how about holding your convention in Topeka? What do you think, George? Well, I think the whole thing is silly. It's like a fellow who owned a restaurant and had a lot of rye bread that he couldn't sell. Oh, and, pardon and... me, George, but if Gracie's elected, what are you going to do? I'll take it easy. This fellow owned a restaurant. Well, of course, if she's not elected, don't you take it too hard. Yes, I'll kill myself. <laughs> and, Ray, I'm going to invite you to the White House for the Easter egg hunt. Oh, you'll never regret it. I know how to color those eggs for you. Do you? How? Uh, just put me on the dice committee. Oh, go, go. <laughs> in San Francisco. What do you think, George? I think it's silly. It's like the fellow who owned a restaurant and had a lot of rye bread that he couldn't uh, sell. Ah, good old San Francisco. He had a lot of rye Good old San Francisco. Good old San Francisco. I used to know a model there. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, a gorgeous figure, and boy, could she wear clothes. Beautiful, huh? Beautiful? Well, I worked with her for six months before I found out she was a wax dummy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she, she probably melted in your arms. <laughs> Say, Bubbles, I think I will hold my convention in San Francisco. All right, hold it in San Francisco. Well, what's the matter with Omaha? There's nothing the matter with Omaha. Then why shouldn't I hold it in, in Omaha? Nobody said that you shouldn't hold it in Omaha. Well, then what's all the argument about? There's no argument. Oh. Well, when I make up my mind where to hold my convention, I make up my mind. Bubbles, take a letter. All right, ready, Gracie. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, nuts. <laughs> Dear Cal. Uh, oh, Terry, yeah, I'm too busy. too busy, yes. Hey, Bubbles, if I were you, I'd write with the eraser. Gracie, how about holding the convention in Cleveland? I think the whole thing is silly. It's like that man who owned a restaurant and he had a lot of rye bread that he couldn't You know, sell. I agree with and George. Then... That's where we ought to hold it. Where? In that restaurant. What restaurant? With that man who has all Ray, the... Hey, will you leave Ray. me alone? <laughs> Say, Gracie, how about Atlantic City? Oh, Atlantic City would be wonderful. Sure. That's where the Elks hold their convention. Yeah, but you're not running for the Elks. No, but the last time I was there, two Elks ran for me. <laughs> well, Gracie, you remember that old saying, a rolling Elk gathers no moose. <laughs> <laughs> that Truman, huh? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> George, imagine Gracie elected and me a Supreme Court judge sitting on the bench selling hives on an almond tree. Yeah, I can see you now within that long black robe. Yeah, yeah and me alongside him holding his soft white hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George, it'll sound something like this. In the case of the people versus rough red hands, I find that the defendants, Old Man Winter and Old Lady Housework, did willfully and intentionally inflict upon the plaintiffs bodily harm in the form of dry, chapped hands. He's another Lawton. The evidence shows that your hands can thrill some of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but for hands that thrill all the people all of the time, use Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. Case dismissed. Oh, that's wonderful. Ah, well, I get it, Truman. The Supreme Court is the dollar bottle. Comical and economic. Thank you, thank you. Say, Bubbles, that settles it. I'll hold my convention in Omaha. Take a letter. All right. Omaha, Nebraska. Dear Neb. Dear Neb. Well, Miss Allen, you know our party emblem, the mama kangaroo with the baby kangaroo in the pouch? Yeah, what about it? Well, the baby is lost. Well, how did that happen? Mama's got a hole in her pocket. Get out. Get out. (laughs) I say, George, what is a kangaroo? Kangaroo is an animal that lives on mountaintops. Really? What a strange diet. You know that you and Gracie are nuts? That's what Jerry Colonna keeps telling them down at the office. Oh. Now, what do they say? They say, we know. We, we know. know. And so do we. Uh... Gracie, you're letter. Oh, yes. Omaha, Nebraska, dear Neb. You know, George, I love Omaha. I'd even live in Omaha except for one thing. What's that? Too far from the White House. Yes, yes. 
be too long of a walk to the office every day. Yeah, let her. Omaha, Nebraska. Dear Neb, I will see hey, you... Hey, Tracy, at your convention, are you taking a straw vote? Yes. Well, then I'd better not take my felt hat. Oh, <laughs> stop, stop. I can explain how silly this whole thing is. Just listen to me for one minute. It's like a fellow who had a restaurant and he had a lot of rye bread that he couldn't sell. Now, please, and, Judge, and... Bubbles is writing. Bubbles, read back the letter. Omaha, Nebraska. Dear Neb. It's just like that fellow who had a restaurant and he had a lot of rice. Wait a minute. Sense. Wait a minute. That's the letter? Yes. Doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Well, and why are we trying to tell it? Oh, come on. Come on. Composition from your Indian suite? Yes, darling. Oh, go away. Oh, come on in, Charlie. Boys, this is Charlie Henderson. Hello, Charlie. Charlie Henderson, George Burns. How do you do, Mr. Henderson? (laughs) You're Mr. Henderson. Oh, excuse me. I'm a little nearsighted. (laughs) You mind if I sit down? No. Chair is over there. Oh, pardon me. I washed my eyes this morning, and I can't do a thing with them. 
Gracie, where did you find this guy? I got him in a raffle. In a raffle? Yeah, I lost. Oh, you were playing. What does he do? Well, he's a songwriter. He wrote my campaign song. Campaign song? Mm-hmm. And he wrote it? Yes. You don't believe me? I'll play the piano for you. I'd like to hear it. You're supposed to open the piano first, you know. <laughs> oh, gee. I washed my ears this morning and can't hear a thing with oh, that. <laughs> well, he's a great songwriter. You know how a songwriter needs a partner? One fellow writes the music and one writes the words? Yes. Well, he has two partners. Two yes, one writes the lyrics and the other writes the melody. What does he do? He turns the pages. <laughs> Smart as a whip. Gracie, shall I play the campaign song on the bass fiddle? Oh, sure, Charlie. Boy, this is a beautiful bass fiddle. Well, here I go. That's bubbles and get away from her. Mind your own business, Mr. Burns. Oh. <laughs> no, Charlie, Charlie, will you go and sit down in the audience until we're through? Okay. Uh, Mr. Burns, where are the steps? Right over there, right here. <laughs> Never mind, I found them. Well, he we washed his feet and couldn't do a thing with them. Oh, Judge, you'll be crazy about my campaign song. You see, every president had a campaign song. Even George Washington had a campaign song. Well, what was it? The Song of the Cherry Tree. Song of the Cherry Tree? Yeah, well, chop, chop, chop. Yeah, all right, stop, stop, stop. How about uh, sailing along on Moonlight Bay? For a campaign song? No, to look for a place to hold Grace's convention. <laughs> yes, Ray, we'll go right now. Oh, then I'd better run home and pack my robe. Yes, do that, yes. do that. Yes. You know, George, it's not easy to write a campaign song. Charlie was six months doing this song. Why? Well, they wouldn't let him out any sooner. That's a smart kid. Yeah, Charlie wrote this song by ear. By ear? Well, how else can you hold a pencil when you're in a straitjacket? Well, he could hold it in his mouth. Well, where would he put his fountain? I don't know. You brought him in here. Well, he's a fine composer. He writes for strings and for brass. One time he even got money. Yes, oh. <laughs> that, that was when he wasn't looking. Say, uh, speaking of campaign songs, the Postmaster General ought to have a little number. George, do you know Margie? Yeah. Has she got a phone? <laughs> well, what about Edna? Temporarily disconnected. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> Judge, I must tell you about Charlie. I'd rather hear your campaign song. Well, in a minute. You see, Charlie learned to play a saxophone by mail. By mail? Yeah, he didn't have a saxophone. So what'd he do? Well, he used to blow his lessons into an envelope and send it to a friend who had a saxophone. <laughs> well, I've heard enough about him, Gracie. Well, very few people know this, but Charlie played the flight of the bumblebee on the piccolo. How did it leak out? Through the hole. Oh, it did. Well, I'm glad to hear that. My new campaign song. Sing it, Gracie. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. She's the best little skipper in the land. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. Won't you please give this little girl a hand? That's me. Even big politicians don't know what to do. Gracie doesn't know either, but neither do you. So vote for Gracie. To win the presidential race, a hundred million strong. That's right, you can't go wrong. Vote for Gracie. Keep voting all day long. Keep voting all day long. Keep voting all day long. Fill up the ballot box. Keep voting all day long. 
Would you like to hear Frank Parker sing my song? Oh, 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 Gracie! Oh, Figaro! Figaro! Say, Gracie! There's something you ought to know. I'm for Gracie. To lead the boys a merry chase. A hundred million pounds. That's right, you can't go wrong. Vote for Gracie. Keep voting all day long. And now who'd like to hear George sing a chorus? Thank you. A vote for Gracie. So I can be by myself. Please vote for Gracie. So I'll be happy on the shelf. If she's elected... I'll be neglected. So I can stay home and play solitaire and keep that silly game out of my head. sleet storms raging from coast to coast. Now, sleet and bitter cold wind can chap your hands severely. If you must go outdoors in this weather, be sure to lotion your hands first with Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. Take a tip from thousands of outdoor workers who use Heinz regularly. Telephone linemen, cross-country truck drivers, farmers, men whose jobs keep them out in the worst weather. They have found from experience that Heinz is extra creamy, extra softening, and works fast to help keep hands smooth and comfortable. Well, naturally, if Heinz helps extreme chapping like that, then you know it will help guard your family against chapping in all kinds of weather. And say, you know that dry, winter, itchy feeling you get all over, especially when you wear heavy woolen clothing? Well, just try Heinz as a body rub after your bath. It feels wonderfully soothing to chapped tender skin. You can get Heinz Honey and Almond Cream at the nearest toilet goods counter in 10, 25, and 50 cent sizes and the big dollar bottle, which is economical for family use. Remember Heinz, spelled H-I-N-D-S. Thanks, Norman. Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Well, goodnight. Well, I've got to run home and knit a sweater for the little stranger who's coming to the White House. Uh, what little stranger? The vice president. Well, goodnight, all. <laughs> it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, and the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. For deep down laughs and listening enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for deep down coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. With extra flavor in the blend because of choice Latin American coffee skillfully combined. 
Extra flavor in the cup because Radiant Roast develops the full flavor of every coffee bean. And the result is that today more people buy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Well, it's afternoon as we look in at the Burns' home, and we find Mr. and Mrs. Burns trying to decide how to spend the evening. Would you like to go out this evening, George? I don't mind. If you would. Oh, I'd just assume. If you would. All right with me. If you'd like to. Sure. Unless you'd rather stay home. Would you? I don't mind. <laughs> you would. I'd just assume. Unless you'd rather go out. I don't mind going out. If you'd like to. Oh, I'd like to go out. If you really want to. Okay, I'll go shave. Unless you'd rather stay home. <laughs> oh, no, no. Unless you would. Oh, not me. No, no. You want to go out. All right. Uh, would Would you like to see a movie? I don't mind. You would. <laughs> I would. Okay. I'll go shave. Well. Good. Uh, unless you'd rather stay home. <laughs> oh, no. Unless you would. Oh, no, no, no. I'll go get dressed. If you're sure you'd like to go out. I don't mind. You would. George. Yes? The heckler. Yeah, the heckler. <laughs> Let's just stay home. Sure. Okay. Well. Yes. Unless you'd rather go out. <laughs> I don't mind. If you would. I'll get this done. If you would. Well, it's all right with me. I'll go shave. And I'll go get that. Good. Fine. Unless you'd rather Oh, listen, we've had <laughs> Would you like to go out or would you like to stay home? Make a definite statement. All right. All right, what? What is it? Either way suits me. <laughs> okay, I'll make the decision. We'll stay home. No, we won't. We'll go out. <laughs> Gracie. There's the telephone. Are you expecting a call? No. Are you? No. Would you like to answer it? I don't mind. <laughs> Unless you would. Unless you would. Okay, I'll answer it. Unless you want to. No, no, I don't mind. Unless you'd rather. Oh, Gracie, stop being silly. Answer. Answer the phone. Don't order me around. You answer it. Why do you tell me what to do? You answer it. I won't touch it. Neither will I. Meanwhile, on the other end of that ringing telephone, we find the Burns' friends, Blanche and Harry Morton. Oh, nuts. They still don't answer. Who are you trying to call, Harry? George Burns. i got a job for him. I want him to go up to Seattle and help pick my apples. Oh. <laughs> Harry, are you still trying to get apple pickers? Oh, you're darn right I am. I've got one of the finest orchards in the state of Washington, and I'm not going to let those apples rot. But, Harry, you can't make an apple picker out of an actor. I know. That's why I'm taking George Burns. <laughs> and he won't have to be up in Washington more than a couple of weeks. But the Burnses have a radio show every Thursday night. Why does the show need George? Well, why, why, George is the one who does all the... Well, he tells the... He... 
Well, don't stand there. Call him back. Uh, he won't be home yet. I got a better idea. Here comes the postman. I'll just write a note and have him deliver it to the Burns house. Okay, Harry. See who's at the door, Gracie? Sure. Unless you want Well, let's not start that again. All right, I'll go. Good afternoon, Mrs. Burns. Oh, hello, Mr. Postman. How are you today? Oh, Mrs. Burns, I feel gloriously alive today. <laughs> I'm invigorated, stimulated, activated. I'm jumping with joy. <laughs> What kind of vitamins you use? Oh, it isn't vitamins. It makes me so happy. I gave my wife a black eye. Well, at last the worm turned. No, she was facing me. (laughs) Tell me, tell me, what happened? Well, finally I could stand no more. The fighting blood rushed to my head. Good. One clap from birth and it rushed out again. But now I was really mad. Every ounce of my virile manhood cried for revenge. The beast in me said, fight, fight, fight. And that's that's when you gave her the black eye? Yes. Oh, well, tell me just how it happened. Well, she tried to kick me and her shoe flew off and hit her in the eye. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Postman, I thought you hit her. (laughs) Me? You think I want to get killed? Well, here's your mail, Mrs. Burns. Goodbye. Remember, keep smiling. What came in the mail, Gracie? Oh, the usual stuff. Bills and a letter from... Oh, wait a minute. Well, here's a funny one. A letter addressed to you, but there's no stamp on it. wonder what that could be. Well, it must be an official government letter. They're the only ones that don't need stamps. Well, let's read it. Dear George... I need your help to handle a big job in Washington. Hope I can count on you, Harry. Washington? (laughs) Harry? Darling, how wonderful. Oh, I'm so proud of you. What do you mean? Well, don't you see Harry Truman needs your help in Washington? (laughs) The president wants me to help him? Well, why not? You're one of the great minds of this country. Oh, go on. Am I really... One of the greatest, George. It's always been a miracle to me how such high thoughts could come out of such a low forehead. Well, true, I've got a lot of brains. Oh, you bet you have. If you weren't a brilliant man, the Maxwell House people wouldn't have you on the air advertising their coffee. Say, come to think of it, the president has been calling on advertising men to help him. Chester Bowles came from an advertising agency. So did William Benton. Well, certainly. And look who he took from Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne. Who? Well, out of that crowd, he must have gotten somebody. But I still can't imagine the president calling on me to help. There are a lot of men in radio smarter than I am. You name a couple. Well, there aren't that many. And look, look at the uncanny grasp you have of international affairs. Well, I'll never forget what you said last summer just after my mother had gone back home. What did I say? Well, you said, now we'll have peace. And the very next day, Japan surrendered. <laughs> yeah, I had a hunch. Uh, but, gee, it's still hard to believe that President Truman wants me to help him run the country. Well, come in. 
Hello, Burns's. Hiya, Bill. Oh, Bill, you're the first to hear the news. What news, Gracie? Well, guess who wants George to help the Democrats run the country? Uh, the Republicans? <laughs> well, laugh a minute, this boy. <laughs> Willie the Wit, they call him. Well, Bill, this is no joke. The president has sent for George to come to Washington. What? It's true. He probably listened to George on the radio and figured the government should have him in Washington. Well, don't let him take you without extradition papers, George. Now, Bill, we'll fight this every inch of the way. Hey, Bill, since when is it a federal offense to smell up the air? <laughs> Bill, it so happens the president wants me to help him run this country. Oh, come, George. Things can't be that bad. <laughs> so you don't believe I'm going to Washington to help the president, huh? Ah, sure, I believe it, George. The minute I heard you sing last week, I said to myself, there's the man who should be Secretary of the Interior. Huh? Well, I, I said to myself, if one of the ickies has to leave, let's put another one in his place. <laughs> Goodbye, comic. So long, brain truster. You see, Bill didn't believe it. Maybe there's some mistake about this thing, Grace. Oh, mistake nothing. Why, the president couldn't possibly find anyone better qualified. Did you... I'll get it. Hello? Hello? This is Harry. I've been trying to reach you all day. Y- you have? Yeah, did George get my note? Oh, yes. Yes, he did, Your Highness. What? <laughs> he, he got the note, Your Excellency. Look, what's the idea of calling me all that stuff? Well, what should I call you? Well, just call me Harry. I'm democratic. (laughs) Naturally, or you wouldn't be where you are. Now, look, you you don't have to soft-soap me just because I'm offering George a job. It happens to be the sort of thing a guy with his brains can handle. (laughs) Will he take it? Well, of course he will. And you'll find that he's the hardest worker in the whole United States. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Well, I'm from Missouri. Oh, stop. Stop it, please. Tell George I'll get in touch with him later and let him know when to leave for Washington. Goodbye. Goodbye, your reverend. Gosh, Gracie, was that the... The president himself. And you know he's just as friendly and pleasant as one of our own neighbors. And he really wants me in Washington? He insists on it. Oh, George, isn't it thrilling? You'll be in the nation's capital, budgeting the fiscals, appropriating the tariffs, filling the busters. Oh, like a dream. Isn't it? Me one of Truman's advisors. Uh-huh. Hiya, folks. Oh, Meredith, have we got news for you. President Truman has sent for George to come to Washington and help him with his problems. Golly, George. Congratulations. Thanks, Meredith. But, gee, I sure am going to miss you. Yeah. Well, maybe you can go to Washington with us, Meredith. Maybe George can find something for you to do. Uh, George, isn't there some little government job you could give Meredith? Something like Secretary of State? Oh, sure, sure. I'll make him a Secretary of State. Oh, good. Meredith, what state would you like to be Secretary of? Well, uh, I think I'll take Iowa. That's my home state, George. I know, I know. You know, born, raised right there in Major City, Iowa. Yes, yes, yes. That's where the corn grows, six feet tall. So I see. (laughs) Now, look, you two, there'll be no appointments. My only job is to help the president. Mr. Truman's got a big problem, all right. Well, every president has a problem. Yeah, but his is tremendous. 
He's fingering his bass wrong when he plays the piano. <laughs> Meredith, don't you think it's possible that the president might have a couple of other problems? No, I don't think so. His pedal work and right hand are fine. Yes, yes. He plays the piano much better than Hoover did. Yeah. <laughs> Say, you know who'd make a good president? Carmen Cavallero. He has a flawless left hand. Look, Meredith, you better run along now. I have a lot to do before I leave for Washington. Yeah, that's true. He has, Meredith. Uh, George will have to buy a lot of new things. The person can't appear at the White House in his old clothes. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'll buy some new suits, new hats, new shoes, a new coat. What else? Oh, that's plenty for me. Get a couple of neckties for yourself, please. <laughs> It's Meredith Wilson and his orchestra, and carry me back to old Virginia. you had a special reason for choosing Carry Me Back to Old Virginia this 21st of February? Why, sure, Bill. We always associate the beautiful and historic state of Virginia with our first president. Yes, that's right. Say, Meredith, do you know that even in those early days, coffee was beginning to play a real part in the hospitality of our American scene? In fact, the colonists had been drinking coffee for a hundred years before George Washington was president. Yes, from America's earliest days, coffee has been a national custom. And a favorite cup of good cheer. And in the American scene today, the choice is most often Maxwell House. For Maxwell House is bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee in America. Enjoyed for its delicious, satisfying flavor. And that famous flavor is no accident. For master craftsmen skillfully blend into Maxwell House these premium coffees. Manizales for Melonis. Medellins for richness. Other choice Latin American coffees for vigor. And Bucaramanga's for full body. The result is coffee so richly mellow, so vigorously full bodied that this nation of coffee lovers agrees it's good to the last drop.
Suppose we're practically on our way to Washington. One front is packed. Now let's start on the other one. Okay. Way down in Missouri where I heard this melody. Oh, that's beautiful, oh. darling. Harry will love it. Yeah, that's his favorite song. Yeah, I hope he can play Ain't the Haven. That's your best number. Well, I can teach it to him. I wonder if we'll have trouble finding a place to stay in Washington. But the president will insist on us staying at the White House, naturally. He will? Well, suppose he needs you in the middle of the night to solve some naughty problem. He, he just knocks on your door and he says, George, how do you feel about merging the OPA and the NLRB so that the uh, CIO and the AFL can deal directly with the AMGOT and the UNRRA? <laughs> What do I say? Either OK or PU. No. Hand me my underwear. I'll pack that. Here you are. Oh, George, I hope they give us the blue room. You look so patriotic every morning. Patriotic? Running through the blue room of the White House in your red underwear. Yeah, three cheers for the red, white, and blue. Oh, you go right on packing, dear. I'll see who's at the front door. Mrs. Burns? Yes? It's all over town that your husband is going to see the president. I'm from the Associated Press. Oh, oh, you're a newspaper reporter. Yes, I'd like to ask Mr. Burns his views on questions of the day. Oh, well, he's very busy now, but I can tell you anything you want to know. All right. I'll make some notes on this. Now, first, how does your husband feel about labor? Labor? Well, on the whole, he'd rather not. <laughs> You, uh, don't understand. I mean, does he approve of strikes? Well, some strikes he does and some strikes he doesn't. You can quote him as saying that of all the strikes he's heard about, the sit-down strike is the most comfortable. I can, uh, quote him on that? Yes. Good. Now, how does he feel about Senator Pepper's bill? Uh, hmm? How does he feel about Senator Pepper's bill? Senator or no senator, if he owes a bill, you ought to pay it. I can quote that, too. Oh, definitely. My husband has no prejudice. He's going to Washington with an open mind. I'll say it's open. I can feel the draft. <laughs> now, uh, how about your husband's foreign policy? Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> what does he think about Russia? He thinks Russia's very large. Uh. <laughs> and England? Much smaller. What a scoop that'll make. <laughs> How does he feel about the Far East? The Far East? Yes. Well, now he thinks New York is a nice place to visit, but no place to live. I meant a little farther east. <laughs> How about a statement from your husband on the Chinese question? Oh, well, now you have to wait for that until he learns the language. <laughs> that a Chinese question deserves a Chinese answer. He's so right, too. <laughs> Tell me, uh, what are his views on the Indonesian situation? Oh, now that's the question I've been waiting for. Uh, what was it again? <laughs> the Indonesian situation. Java. Isn't he worried about Java? Oh, goodness, no. We get all we want from the Maxwell House people. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, I was talking about an island in the Dutch East Indies. Oh, oh, well, why did you 
to say so. Now I see what you're driving at. Good. Now, what's your husband's attitude uh, towards Sumatra? He likes them, but he prefers Crossy. <laughs> that did it. The interview is over. This will be in all the morning papers. Wonderful. Any other questions about my husband? Yes, yeah, just three. When did he get out? Who let him out? And when does he go back in? <laughs> When did he get out? Wouldn't he be surprised if he knew that George never went to college at all? <laughs> Who is that, the doll? Just a newspaper man. Now, let's get to bed, George. We may have to leave for Washington very early in the morning. Okay. Where's my nightshirt? Oh, I'm afraid, dear, you'll have to wear one of my gowns. I sent all your nightshirts out to be dyed black. Dyed black? Well, yes, to wear in case you're made a member of the Supreme Court. <laughs> Let's go to bed. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, yeah. Come in. Oh, good morning, Bill. Uh, good morning, Gracie. Say, George, let me be the first to apologize. When you said you were going to Washington, I thought you were talking through your hat, but it's in all the morning papers. Really? Yeah, get a load of this headline. George Burns to Washington to help run country. Wow. Millions of Americans flee to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Well, George, I was just kidding about that one, but gosh, this is big stuff. It says you may stay in the White House. It does? Yeah. It says brilliant wit of radio may stay in White House while her husband advises Truman. (laughs) I say. Gee, you two will really be in a social swim there in Washington. Parties at all the foreign legations. Oh, yes. I can just see us now at the Russian embassy, eating caviar and sipping Molotov cocktails. Percy, <laughs> a Molotov cocktail is an explosive. Really? Oh, well, don't you drink more than one. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, there'll be big dinner parties at the British embassy. My goodness, I don't know how to act around royalty. Well, uh, Gracie, I just happened to read a very interesting book about English royalty. Oh? It's called uh, Forever Amber. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you get any information from it? Well, nothing you could use at a dinner party. <laughs> don't forget, we'll have to do some entertaining ourselves, Gracie. Oh, yeah, that's right. How do you talk to diplomats and senators and people like that? Oh, it's easy, Gracie. For example, uh, uh, a senator must always be called right honorable. Even if he isn't? (laughs) Oh, sure. Now, let's say an important senator drops in, the head of one of those uh, congressional blocks. Well, what do you say? Well, I'd say, sit down, right honorable blockhead. (laughs) No, no, Gracie. I see you're going to need some advice. Oh, Bill, we don't need all that fancy talk. Yes, you do, George. Suppose a man like Lord Beaverbrook comes to this country for a conference and he drops in. What would you say to him? I'd be democratic. I'd say, sit down, Beave, and have a cup of coffee. (laughs) Sit down, Beave, and have a cup of... (laughs) George, he's one of the most important men in the world. You want him to think you're a dope? Well, what should I say? Well, say, sit down, Beave, and have a cup of Maxwell House coffee. (laughs) For the sake, show him that you're offering him the best. Let him know that he's getting Maxwell House, the coffee that's appetizing, rich, full-bodied, and mellow. Coffee at its full-flavored best, good to the last drop. Bill. Say to him, Beave, old chap, more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Okay, Bill, he's sitting down. He's drinking his coffee. 
Now, what do I say? Oh, well, then you say, um, Your Lordship, I trust your stay in this country has been frightfully jolly. And, and then Lord Beaverbrook will say to you, uh, Mr. Burns, you ain't just beating your chops. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> you ain't just beating your chops. Where do you suppose Lord Beaverbrook picked that up? At the Palladium. <laughs> Goes there every Saturday night with Churchill. <laughs> well, now call a taxi. Our train for Washington leaves in a half hour. Oh, nuts. Come in. George, you old son of a gun. I just read the morning paper. So you're going away and leave your old friend Harry Morton in the lurch, huh? What do you mean, Harry? Well, I thought you were coming up to Washington to help me pick my apples. Me? Pick apples? <laughs> you're talking to Truman's right-hand man. But uh, Gracie said on the phone you'd do it. She said you got my note signed Harry. She seemed very pleased. You, uh... You sent a note to sign Harry? Telling you I had a job for you in Washington. Gracie. I don't feel well. I think I'll go lie down. <laughs> Come back here. Now, George, George, keep calm. Remember your soft foot. I haven't got a soft foot. Well, you will have if you do what you're thinking of doing. <laughs> All the hair-brained ridiculous. Harry, let me see that morning paper. Sure. Here, George. Oh, no. Who gave out this interview? I did. You were busy packing. How do I feel about Sumatra? I like Crosby better. <laughs> the sit-down strike is the most comfortable. Gracie, you may be the laughing stock of this country. Well, I'm sorry, dear. I'll, I'll never be able it. to hold up my head again. I didn't Hello? Mean to do it. Yes, How can I face president? my friend? I know. Who? How can I look at Oh, just a moment. I didn't George. This is absolute George. This is George. What do you want? The White House is on the telephone. Oh, no. The president must have seen the paper. I'm too young to be deported. <laughs> George, answer it. No, sir. You got me into this. You talk to him. <laughs> me? Answer it. Oh, yes, dear. Hello. Hello, your majesty. I, I mean your Democrat ship. <laughs> oh, oh, you read it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll tell him. Goodbye, your president. Don't tell me. Don't tell me what he said. Well, I think I better. He wants you to come to Washington. He does? Yes. He said, compared to some of the things he's heard, your ideas make a lot of sense. Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Until next Thursday, then, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one brand of coffee, always good to the last drop. Good night. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.